Welcome to From the Valley Podcast. My name is Tim Wilsh here, Brisbane Business Lice. Now we've got an interesting podcast today. We are flying uh, from Brisbane to Gladstone on a very small plane. Uh, I do have a special guest with me who's with me sitting by my side. Uh, he's a UFC professional fighter that fights in the UFC uh, based here in Brisbane. It's Ben 10 Win. Welcome along, Ben. Hey guys, thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for, for uh, coming on to the podcast. I know we've been meaning to get you on here, but there's a special reason for having you right here right now, and that's because it's the, well, 10th episode of the, the podcast. And why is that significant with yourself, Ben, is because your nickname is Ben 10 Win. Yes. So um, Ben 10 uh, is a UFC fighter, as I've just alluded to. He's fought, fought six fights in the UFC. He's had some massive wins. Uh, it's been a very good journey for Ben. Uh, fights at uh, flyweight, which is 125 pounds. So, Ben, uh, tell tell the listeners a bit about your early upbringings. I guess uh, you were born in America to Vietnamese parents. Whereabouts were you uh, brought up as a child? And tell us a bit about some of those experiences. Yeah, so um, I'm a lot. I'm a really far away from in, from Brisbane, where we live now, and um, I live. I grew up in uh, South Dakota, in America, in the Midwest. Uh, a lot of people don't think that it's uh, it, it's a uh, far north, but it's, it's actually really far north. Like it gets it gets really cold, and um, yeah, it's kind of in the middle of nowhere. And it's kind of like I, I, I explain it to people in Australia, like it's um, it's like living in Alice Springs when <laughs> there's nobody around. So, population-wise, how many sort of people live in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, that uh, sort of area? Population, you're looking at uh, 150, 180,000 people. Kind of, I, I heard it's like similar to the size of uh, Toowoomba, actually. So, kind of, kind of like that. In a more rural area, you know, it's it's in the Midwest, so um, the main source of uh, income and jobs are uh, farm farming and agriculture yeah. obviously you love traditional Vietnamese fur um, your mother makes the best fur I'm told is that right my mom makes the best fur in the world alright and that's all there is to it I've had a lot of fur I'm a fur connoisseur you know, I've been to Vietnam uh, I've been to places around Brisbane but um, my mom makes it the best so nothing compares to, your, to Ben's mum's fur Tell us a bit about your father growing up. What did he actually do for a living, Ben? And and what sort of things did you learn from your father growing up and, and other people in your family life? Uh, my dad, so when we... Uh, so kind of a little bit of history of how my family got to America. Um, actually, I'm first-generation Vietnamese. My parents came to uh, America in about the mid-'80s. Uh, they pretty much escaped from Vietnam from um, uh, they escaped from Vietnam on a boat because at that time it was it was actually illegal to leave Vietnam and move somewhere else and they just wanted to find a find a better place to to live and to uh, you know so interesting any, can you remember any, remember any particular reason why they chose uh, so they actually South Dakota was that where they first went, or did they go somewhere else in America before settling in South Dakota? Or yeah, so we uh, they they left 
Vietnam on a boat to the Philippines, stayed there about six months, and they were waiting on uh, they're waiting on a family to take them in, and the very first family to take them in was uh, in South Dakota, and that's how I ended up in South Dakota. A lot of people ask me that, and that's that's how it all happened. So, um, <clears throat> and what was uh, life actually like growing up in South Dakota as as a young adolescent? Uh, what did you actually learn? Did you actually enjoy living there? Uh, what was family life sort of like? What are some of the things? Any stories to tell? Uh, you know, it was, you know, quite, it was quiet, <laughs> very quiet, oh, thank you, um, very quiet, and uh, not a lot of things to do, you know, uh, we, we lived in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, it's, it's in pretty much the Great Plains, um, you know, mainly Caucasian people, uh, I think the population of Asians was probably like 0.02% or something like that, and, um, uh, you know, I grew up in Sioux Falls, just kind of just on the quiet side. There's not much to it than that. Uh, I hadn't really been to a big city until I uh, went to like Minneapolis when I was young and stuff. And it, it was, I remember it being a, a big change, like seeing big buildings and stuff. And um, you know, was, there, there's not much to it. To be honest with you, there's not a lot to do in South Dakota, but to uh, get on the piss and um, uh, that's about it, <laughs> really. Yeah, so, um, so obviously it took a while. I guess what was the first experience, first experience with um, traveling outside South Dakota to a, to uh, one of the bigger, I guess, world markets? So. Like places, other sort of capital cities in America. When was the sort of first time you really got got to experience that? That it. Yeah, so you know, going to like Minneapolis and stuff was like uh, quite a big change for me. Um, you know, seeing the big buildings and seeing all the people, seeing all the different different um, cultures. Because uh, mainly, you know, where I, where in Sioux Falls is just mainly white Caucasian people, and like even coming to Brisbane. You know, just being amongst uh, Australian people, you know, being... A lot of people think Brisbane's small, but to me it's actually quite big. Yeah, it's, it can be like a small town, Brisbane, but um, I guess the other part of, of growing up was... Um, did you sort of any experience anything such as, you know, obviously a lot of people when they grow up in, as uh, teenagers and that, and even getting before they were a teenager, you, you go to school get out, out and about and you know you get bullied as a child and stuff like that did that sort of happen is there any sort of experiences that you had where where um, you felt yeah. that so that, yeah that's uh, uh, that's kind of a big story there uh, I uh, in middle school I got bullied as a child and um, I got my, my mom put me into Taekwondo when I was 12 and that's kind of how it, my martial arts career started was uh was in Taekwondo when I was young, and um, I did that for about five years. Got my black belt in Taekwondo. Uh, so how old were you when you got your Taekwondo black belt? I was like seventeen or eighteen, and um, I remember seeing uh, or, or hearing on the radio it was like, oh, they had like this big cage cage fighting event at the fairgrounds, and I really wanted to do it, and um, I couldn't do it until I was eighteen, and 
And so I waited. I turned 18. Uh, jumped in there. Pretty much got choked out in the first round. And um, I knew I had to learn different disciplines to compete in MMA. So I started learning judo and jiu-jitsu and wrestling. And um, I was actually going to college at the time and actually dropped out of college to to pursue that career in MMA because I love, I really love just learning the different disciplines and stuff. And um, from there, I started fighting around in the local circuit, started winning fights. Um, got an opportunity to fight or train in Thailand on a on a scholarship program. And how old were you when when that scholarship program uh, that scholarship program became an opportunity for you? I was 24 at the time, and I was at a full-time job working as a computer technician at a place called Best Buy, and and um, I was really comfortable. You know, I was quite comfortable. I was really comfortable in um, where I was at in my life. I just oh, thank you. <laughs> I was really comfortable at the time, uh, just you know, climbing up the ranks, the corporate ladder, in a really big company, uh, and I had to make a decision if I wanted to go and drop everything to go to try out for this 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 program that I could potentially get or not get, and I uh, I decided to do it because uh, I thought if I if I were to go, like, grow up and grow old and look back at this moment and not take it, it was like, and think to myself, oh, what if, like, what if I tried and actually made it? So, um, I couldn't, I couldn't possibly let that happen, so I, I just did it. Like, I was like, I just dropped everything, sold my car, sold my motorcycle, um, dropped my job, and, uh, went out to Thailand, tried out for the team made the team I was one of 20 people to make that uh, one of one of five, five people sorry I was like 20 applicants total and um, I was fortunate enough to make it onto the team and live there for a year and that's where I met my wife who was uh, Australian uh, from Brisbane uh, April so, Adams yeah, so when did so <coughs> that was around about five years ago but um, was it it was like a special occasion. Like, was it like a, on Christmas Day or something? Wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. So we met on Christmas Day on a boat cruise, and we just kind of hit it off from there. And we started doing long distance relationship because she had gone back. She was only there for holiday, and um, she she'd gone back to Brisbane. Um, I got a fight in Brisbane my very first fight uh, was in April or something and um, got to fly over to Brisbane and got to visit you know from there I got got to visit my uh, girlfriend who is my wife at the, right now um, and we just uh, I, I I flew back to Thailand I was going back and forth from Thailand to Brisbane and I just decided to move to Brisbane because I really liked it there because uh I thought the people were really nice, and, and um, it's, it's a really good story that uh, how you guys met, you know, and um, it was a fairly instantaneous thing where you know you 
was just one of those instant attraction sort of things I believe and and when those sort of things happen they happen and they happen for a reason so it's it's a great story and certainly one that you'll be able to always tell tell yeah. all, all your uh, <laughs> your uh, kids and friends and the, you know that sort of stuff so yeah um, so obviously it was a big bold move then for a you know young man like yourself to take the plunge but uh, you felt comfortable uh, in Brisbane you felt like that was your home away from home um, and uh, it was you didn't really I mean obviously you would get homesick from your mum's fur and <laughs> and, uh, yeah. and all yeah. that sort of stuff but yeah, definitely. You know, I think you're home away from home really and then it, now, it, now it is your home I guess oh man not only not only like meeting my my wife in Thailand and and um coming coming to Brisbane and and stuff like I uh I found like my best trainers that I ever had in my entire career right here in Brisbane so I just feel like I was at the right place at the right time and just happened to come to where I needed to be um to to advance my career advance my passion in MMA yeah so um great story and obviously your mixed martial arts was certainly taking off more as you were getting into it by the time you sort of got to Brisbane you'd already had at least around about 10 pro fights or thereabouts yeah I had I had a few fights in the Midwest um I was fighting I was fighting a lot in um Australia I I think I racked up like I was on like a six or six or seven fight win streak before I got to the UFC one of those fights happened to be uh, the one where I fight the guy that's covered in tattoos from I was head gonna, to toe. I knew. So uh, one of those fights was the one where I was fighting the guy covered in tattoos. You probably seen it. It's the it's viral on YouTube, Facebook, you name it. So Jules the Jackal. This guy was the some sort of nitro bantamweight champion at the time I mean when you went into this fight with this guy there was I mean obviously it's it's viral the the weigh-in the weigh-in sort of face-off him with tattoos being really right in your face really intensive you know you're you're there I mean what's going through your mind in that whole sort of face-off situation other than I'm going to smash the hell out of this guy <laughs> So, he gets into my face straight away at the weigh-ins, you know, as you see in the video, and he, um, he, like, gets really close to my face, and, like, he's actually, like, head-butting me almost, and he does, like, he, I was like, is this guy serious? Is this this guy for real? And when he did the, the final, like, head nudge where he, like, pretty much, like, head-butts me, I was like, this guy's for real, and I was, like, laughing, because... He was, he was actually being serious, and I was like, "Wait till tomorrow, mate. You're gonna, you're gonna get what's deserved." And um, you know, in the next scene you see in the video, yeah. 26 seconds later, yeah. get knocked out. Yeah, and that's an amazing part of that video. I mean, this had you seen this guy fight before, um, Jules at all before this fight? Did you sort of know what his weaknesses were? Did, or did I mean, what did you know about this guy going into that fight? So going into this fight, we knew he had a big right hand, big haymaker, right? 
big haymaker from from uh, down under. But we um, we we were planning on wrestling him actually. So we, I was learning all like I was practicing my wrestling the entire time for this camp. But when he uh, when when we when the bell rang and first round started, he got so close to me and I just knew I could just hit him like without trying. I just reach out and hit him. And so I did. So I started tagging him and stuff. You know, I started hitting him straight, straights and hooks. And then I knew that right hand was coming. So I kind of like waiting for it, waiting for it while hitting him. And he threw that big right hand. And I just ducked under it and just went bang right in his jaw. He goes down. I deliver like 10 or 15 more strikes before the ref pulls me off. And the fight's over. Yeah. And not too often you land... 25 strikes in 25 seconds but that's pretty much what happened <laughs> yeah that's, that's pretty much it and and you know a lot of people a lot of people were very happy uh, people were doing backflips up in the out in the stands I heard <laughs> um, it was just it was a good instance of uh, a karma instant karma yeah. I mean he looked like he was the bully didn't he he was sort of like, you know trying to be the intimidator I'm going to bully this this young you know small guy and uh, and then he got his just dues at the end of the day. Um, so definitely, I mean, did, can you remember how long did after the fight did that actually take to before it was viral? It took about a couple years. I think that fight actually happened in 2014. I like to say, so it didn't go viral until like 2015. Late, like yeah, like 2015, and. <clears throat> it took a while, and when it did go viral, um, a month after, I got the call up to fight in the in UFC Adelaide, the very first one, as a last minute replacement for a flyweight fight. So just you know, with with my win streak, with that viral video going around, I think, and being in Australia at the time, like I was living there, uh, I just happened to be in the right place at the right time, uh, and have the right circumstances. To um, to be able to make my debut in the UFC. So with the first uh, fight in the UFC in Adelaide in sort of mid 2015, the Hunt versus Miocic card. Uh, how much notice did you get for that fight, and uh, and did you know much about your opponent going in? Uh, we had about six weeks, so it wasn't it wasn't a a quick turnaround, but it wasn't a long one either. Uh, we knew it was a really good wrestler. His name was Alp Tekken Oskalich. Um, he was a really good wrestler from Turkey. And um, we knew he had a lot of power. But I, I ended up outstriking him and actually knocking him out in um, 4 minutes and ninety four minutes and 59 seconds with 1 second to go first round. in the first round. And um, to, have that, to have that win go my way uh, was a big... Uh, big weight off my shoulders because I knew going into the fight a lot of people had expectations for me to go in there and lose actually because they just knew me from those viral videos just thought I just fought some nobody and just became famous off that so I had to show everyone that I could actually fight and there was some a few instances there where <clears throat> I was getting taken down but you know I got off I got off on back onto my feet and um, started striking him again because this guy's a wrestler, and you know I did I did what I had to do, 
and I knocked them out, and I proved everyone wrong. Yeah, that was that uh, obviously a good way to start your uh, UFC career. Obviously, the next opportunity came, the biggest event at the time in UFC history at Etihad Stadium, uh, 45,000 people in Melbourne in on the 15th of November, around about that sort of time, 2015. Uh, when did you find out that you're on that card? Uh, I found out about that was that was uh, maybe August. I think that that fight happened in November yeah. or something. Yeah, um, and it was a a really big opportunity because I knew uh, Ryan Rousey was going to be on the card, and and uh, it was a uh, it was a pay per view fight too. It was a UFC one ninety three. Um, Ronda Rousey versus Holly Holm, huge card, and um, I got to be uh, I got to be the very first fight on that that card. Yeah, and um, <clears throat> fighting a guy called uh, Ryan Babyface Benoit, and he had quite a he had a bit more UFC experience than yourself at the time. So he'd uh, risked not 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 much uh, before that he'd sort of knocked a, a guy out after coming from behind. Yeah. Um, in that fight, so he. Um, he was certainly like a lot of the fighters are that they get to the UFC level very dangerous um, what was the plan going into the fight against Babyface and uh, you know tell us a bit about that fight that fight uh, we knew we knew yeah this guy had some power in his hands you know he knocked out his last opponent Sergio Pettis he's a highly ranked guy um, we you know like I'm, I'm a striker by heart and we knew he was going to try to take take me down or try to knock me out. So it was, just, it was kind of a bit of everything, to be honest. That one, we didn't really have a, a like a direct game plan on. We just had to kind of prepare for everything. Yeah, so um, I remember watching the fight, and uh, I mean Joe Rogan was commenting about your kicking style, very sort of unusual kicking style, but yeah. but very effective, and um, and obviously got you, got you to the point where you took him down got on his back patient had him in full mount um, and then just smashed him down and ended up another first round decision uh, a rear naked choke uh, what was, must have been ecstatic after that and then seeing you know, Joe Rogan interview you in the middle of the, you know, the octagon with his suit on yeah. must, have, must have been a little bit chilly for old Joe but uh, what anything that you can say about that mate I remember thinking it was a dream because, you know, going into Etihad Stadium, you know, a stadium that seats 60, 65,000 people, you know, going out there, it's a, it's a, it's a big, it's a big stadium. And I just remember going out, walking out and being like, oh, wow, this, this is so open. Oh my goodness. And then having Bruce Buffer come out and announce me was like a big a, a big a dream of mine and it, and, it, and, um, and then uh, you know taking out my opponent in, in the first round by by finish was awesome and then Joe Rogan comes out and says Ben that was picture perfect and, and to have all those things happen I was like this must be a dream wake me up right now <laughs> so oh, it was uh, it was an awesome experience, you know one of one of my best moments I think. 
Yeah, definitely. And uh, one of the inspirations for doing this podcast on the plane today is Joe Rogan actually did a, a podcast on the flight back from Australia going back to America with the owner of the UFC, Dana White. So that was, that was I had a bit of a listen to that, but uh, he's done it a couple of times. So we decided we'd, we'd uh, do one. So yeah. So that's uh, that. So uh, after that, there um, obviously two fights, two wins in in the UFC. Then obviously there were you 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 were going to fight it in Brisbane, but then your opponent pulled out. Remember, I think. Yeah, I was supposed to fight a guy named Justin Scoggins. Pretty pretty good fight uh, fighter. I had a, a lot of fights in the UFC, and um, yeah, I was supposed to fight in that one. And then like a week and a half ago, a week and a half. We can have coming up to the fight. I uh, get a call from my manager, and he tells me, "Hey Ben, got some bad news. You know, the fight's off. He's injured." And I just remember like picking up the first thing I saw. I don't remember what it was, and like just chucking across the room because I'd prepared so hard for this fight. You know, this fight was going to be in my hometown uh, in Brisbane. New hometown. My new hometown. No, it's my hometown now. Brisbane's my hometown. Yeah. Brisbane's Ben Wynn. And um, I remember being so angry, uh, missing out on the opportunity to fight in front of my hometown. Uh, I, I was just so cut. I remember, I remember going on to the UFC game. This is funny. You probably don't know this, but I, I got, I. Uh, it was like UFC two, not not the current one, but UFC two. Um, you know, UFC fighting game. Um, I wasn't on this. I wasn't in the game yet at that time so I had made my own character <laughs> to fight Justin Scoggins in the game I, I am in the new version now yeah, but well. <laughs> I, I had I got so mad that I had virtually created myself in the game <laughs> to fight him and and you know I did it like I remember I did it like 50 times and I was just so angry <laughs> that's interesting very interesting uh, and then, I mean, when did you find out that um, the UFC was coming into Sioux Falls in June 2016? I mean, when did you find out about that and, and uh, find out that you're on that card? Uh, I found out about that one. Uh, I remember uh, it was it was when I was at uh, the UFC Athlete Summit, which they don't do anymore. I was one. I was. I think I was at the very last one they had done. It was 2016 in April, and I'd spoken to the matchmaker because I was. It was in Vegas, and um, it was at Vegas at the time. And speaking to um, one of the matchmakers, Sean Shelby, and I was like, "Hey, man, um, looking to come to Sioux Falls at the time." I was like, "Man, I'm from Sioux Falls. You better put me on the card." And he was like, "Yeah, we we, we got your number. Don't worry." And um, sure enough, it got announced like a week after that, and and um, you know I got I, I got the fight on it. Uh, unfortunately, didn't get the win, didn't go my way. Uh, you know, stuff happens, uh, and I just uh, after that I um, got offered to fight in Melbourne a uh, second time. And um, that fight, I remember training for that one really hard. Uh, really focused, trying to fix on my uh, fix up my mistakes that I had done in my last fight, and um, you know c- came out with a really good win. I hit this guy a million times with really hard punches. 
I, I think uh, I was super surprised he never went down. I I think I knocked him down once, but he never stayed down. Um, tough guy. Yeah, so, I mean, those opponents there, obviously, Lewis Smoker in Sioux Falls, sort of a taller, lankier flyweight, so they're not always, you know, it doesn't always go your way. The big Gian Herrera, he seemed like a fairly tough sort of fighter. He was, um, you tough, know, Toughest guy I've ever fought. He was like a, yeah, a different sort of fighter, but he was definitely tough and, you know, did, did quite a bit to cause cause you to fight at your peak in my opinion yeah sort of you know you're getting there as the peak of your power yeah. so it was a, a very a good win the the, the, yeah. the only fight in your career that's in the UFC career that's gone to a decision actually yeah um, but um, that was very that was an impressive uh, card as well and then obviously after that um, uh, <coughs> the next the next sort of opportunity to get back into the octagon. Uh, I remember the, the Auckland card, uh, June last year, June 2017. Uh, tell us what you thought about Auckland as a place and uh, your opponent changed for this fight as well. Auckland as a place. So it was my very first time in New Zealand. Uh, I'd say, you know, coming from America, not that much difference from America or Australia. Uh, you know, kind of eat the same food, type of food. Yeah. Currency is a bit, a little bit different, like kind of the same, but kind of different <laughs> at the same time. Not that much different, to be honest with you. Um, I think I said in one of my interviews, I said, <laughs> I'll, say, I'll say it again. Uh, I, I said in my interview at the time, Auckland was a shitty Melbourne. Sorry for the language. Is that, is that okay? Is that appropriate? Yeah, we've got explicit uh, ratings on this podcast. Okay. Uh, yeah, so that's what I said. I don't know why I said it. Yeah, I don't know why I said it, but um, yeah, Auckland was cool. You know, I really enjoyed it. Uh, very hilly. Really, it was a struggle for me to go up, go up and down the hills. I don't know. Were you there? Yeah. So um, your opponent for the the Auckland fight. Uh, was a guy who just won the Ultimate Fighter uh, at the end of 2016, uh, Tim Elliott. He actually had a fight with the champion Mighty Mouse, the, one of the goats, I guess, of uh, mixed martial arts. Uh, went the distance. Um, so he went into this fight. He had uh, Joseph Benavides was the original opponent. He pulled out, got injured. Uh, but this was a fairly good type of opponent replacement as well. A guy that sort of... I guess once you win the ultimate fight, you're fairly highly regarded. Um, so it was a, definitely a fight that we always put a, a circle around a card and say, so this would be a very good fight. And that was one that everyone was certainly looking forward to. And uh, we thought that most people would think that that type of fight would be a back-and-forth affair and it would probably go the distance. Um, it's probably after Tim Elliott had sort of... Uh, you know, it's sort of done that with DJ and also with one of your other opponents. So, um, but that wasn't the case. The fight sort of went a bit different to that, didn't it? Yeah. So we were we were expecting a war with Tim Elliott. You know, he'd gone five rounds with the the champion, and um, I remember going into it very almost shooting myself, almost shooting myself. Why were you shooting yourself against Tim Elliott? Dude, Tim Elliott, he's dangerous dude, man. He goes in there and just 
cleans people up. Like you saw him in Ultimate Fighter, he would just like go and just put on submissions. That was some really good flyweights in that season. Some really good fly, good talent in that season. And he'd like destroyed these people. He'd like gone through them like they were like a hot knife through butter, almost. And so, so where did you see an opportunity to, to get something against this guy? Tell us, I mean, how did the fight eventuate? You started on the feet. So yeah, uh, we had gone in there. We we um, we did some research on Tim Elliott, and we saw one of my trainers, uh, Steve Compton, actually. He he um he noticed that Tim Elliott loves he loves to dip to he dip his dips his head to the right a lot. So my uh, trainer Steve he told me, man, we're gonna be throwing a lot of left kicks, and um. The very first kick that I threw, I think it was the very couple uh, first seconds, I hit him with a left kick that rocked Tim Elliott, and uh, from there it goes downhill for him. You know, he tries to throw me onto the ground. I uh, kind of reversal him and roll him back over. Uh, I take his back, and then I um, start choking him out, and the fight's over in less than a minute. And um, I was fortunate enough to. They get the $50,000 bonus from the UFC for that uh, and, you know, really help me out in the next couple of years. I mean, that definitely uh, sort of elevated your career, that, that fight. I mean, obviously some of the other wins were huge, but uh, at the time it was like 49 seconds. This is what happens. You know, it's it's huge. So um, it's it sort of puts you right into the top eight in the flyweight ranks yeah. in the UFC. And, um, uh that was that's exceptional and obviously you got uh, you know you got uh, some some big fights ahead of you after that fight uh, in the UFC so as a result of that, that huge win um, <coughs> so obviously we, we've got a fight coming up uh, in Adelaide that's booked for December 2 a, a guy that's fought both the current champion and the previous champion uh, so Wilson Hayes obviously in between we had uh, Perth, um, and obviously unfor- a bit of a setback, unfortunately, in Perth. Uh, tell us a bit about, um, I guess, after the Tim Elliott fight, where things have sort of gone. So after the Tim Elliott fight, I had uh, I had a fight with uh, Jussier Formiga in Perth. Um, didn't go my well- way. I got caught with a spinning back fist in the third round. And um, a lot of people saying uh, I, I was winning that fight. I don't know, what do you think, Tim? Do you think I was winning? Yeah, uh, I mean, being on, I know it's fairly biased, sort of being a very good friend of yours. But uh, uh, when 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 uh, when you're scoring fights in the UFC, the the number one um, thing that they do score on when they're looking at okay, who's winning the battle, and that is the striking. Um, so that's the first thing they judges well they should look at. Um, so if you look at the first two rounds and the striking, um, you certainly wouldn't have lost both of those rounds. It would probably be one-one, yeah. uh, based on based on his taking you down, and, and your striking certainly was better, uh, sharper. You know. So it was a very close fight leading to the third round, and obviously it was it was like a case of takeover. Uh, you know, there's no. It was like go for it. You know, that, that's what it was was all about. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, that's you know he sort of blocked the kick and spun, and that's how it goes. You know. Yeah. Just takes that. Uh, but uh, that's 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 obviously now. But 
looking forward to the next opponent. That's what we were looking forward to. Adelaide again, where it all sort of began in the UFC. Wilson Hayes, uh, I think he's a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, maybe black belt. Um, quite a bit of experience, but you know, a fairly good matchup for you though. Yeah, uh, my next opponent, Wilson Hayes, um, Jiu-Jitsu Wizard. So it's going to be a grappler versus striker. Striker. <laughs> striker. Um, it's going to be a grappler versus striker match for sure. Uh, but a lot of people don't know this. Like I, I do grapple a lot. I'm a brown belt in jiu-jitsu. Been doing it for about 11 years now, and um, pretty comfortable on the ground. Um, I just, I just do striking better, and it's, it's just my bread and butter. So um, this fight's going to be, um, you know, it's going it's to be a good fight for me. You know, he's ranked number eight right now. I'm ranked number 12. Looking to get back into the top 10 and um, get back into the winning column. So really excited and working really hard training a lot um i've been doing um you know uh my the way i train for my fights is i start about i do like a a fight training fight camp uh pre like a pre-fight camp to get me ready for the actual fight camp which is eight weeks from the fight um so i do another eight weeks so it's like 16 16 week build up to a fight and um, I've never felt as strong and as fast as I do now going into uh, going to a fight being this far out. We're about nine weeks out right now, so I'm feeling great. I'm feeling positive, and I want to get that win, and I want to do it for. And I'm I got a special announcement to make. Actually, um, I I've been so in my previous UFC fights I've, I've gone under the I haven't you, you can choose a flag to, to fight under I've gone under the neutral flag because I feel like you know being American uh, living in Australia I can't it's hard to pick you know, Vietnamese, parents. Vietnamese parents you know I represent a lot of different countries a lot of different cultures uh, this time I'm gonna fight under the Australian flag because I feel like I feel like I'm Australian now I feel like I've lived here long enough I've embraced the culture. You know, I love having, I love, I love watching the cricket when it's on. I love having a beer out in the veranda. I have, I have a pet magpie that comes up to the veranda and I feed it bread, so it doesn't swoop at me. So I think, after after taking all those boxes, I feel like I'm Australian now. Uh, I'm gonna fight under the Australian flag. Well, that's a really big announcement and. Uh it's really, really excellent news, and I'm, you know, I'd be proud to call you an Australian Ben 10 win. Um, but one thing I do like about you, Ben, is uh, I guess your love of animals. Um, and the interesting story that we have here is that uh, uh, Ben's got a couple of cats. I had a, I've had a, a couple of cats. Well, one and that, and a new one, but uh, um, Tofu and Yuki. Uh, and also got a dog called Yuki, so there's a connection there. I've got yeah. a dog called Yuki. Ben's got a cat called Yuki. I mean, what what about uh, cats in particular that uh, mesmerises you? And sort of, you know, what what's what's what is it about that sort of you know thing? So my love with cats, I it's interesting because I I um, grew up with dogs. I never had a cat. I was actually I'm actually allergic to cats. So if I if I stick. Yeah, I was also allergic to cats as a oh, child okay, in particular, wow. um, especially long sort of haired cats. They, 
I remember growing up as a kid, certainly in my first before I became 15, I was definitely allergic to cats. But yeah, that, so you're allergic to cats as well. You still are you still allergic or? I am still allergic to cats, but I've built up a a little bit of a tolerance. Yeah. If I stick my face and my nose like in their fur and stuff, I'll definitely start sneezing for sure, and my eyes will water up. But yeah, um, I um, actually got I I adopted two of them um, off a housemate. A girlfriend of a housemate that we had uh, and um, I remember this was uh, this was during Christmas time I didn't really have this is before like right before UFC like I had um, I had pretty much no money at the time I think I had like $50 in my bank account um, at the time and I was like oh you know I can, I can adopt these cats and give to to my wife for um a present, a Christmas present, because <laughs> I didn't have any money. Uh, so that's what I did, and um, it ended up being the best thing I've ever done. Because I love, I love my two cats. I love them to death. Tofu and Yuki, they come, in, they come into my bedroom in the morning and wake us up and sleep with us and stuff. It's awesome, man. Not far from landing here from Gladstone. It's gone very quickly this uh, trip. That is for sure. But um, Ben certainly. If you're if you're uh, if you're a business that uh, needs someone to promote uh, your business, Ben is certainly very good at that as well. He has a great history um, with you know companies like Austral Honda. Uh, obviously, he's helped us at Confidential Tax and Business Services, so uh, he's very certainly can be able to promote stuff. So, tell us a bit about what you can do for businesses at Brisbane. Yeah, so for businesses, uh, I like to uh, be an ambassador for them on social media. So I've got a quite a big following, fan following on social media, um, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Um, my Instagram handle is Ben10MMA for all those platforms. And so I get a lot of exposure uh, to the public, to my fans, um, mostly through uh in Australia, a lot of my fans come from Brisbane and stuff. So I like to support local businesses, and you know, uh, businesses like to help me out, and I like to help them out. So like I can, I usually put up like a like a nice photo of me uh, with a, with product or whatever service, and um, you know, gets a lot of likes and exposure that way. So, and my thing is like if 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 I if I can't help the business out, I, I'm most likely not gonna take take the take the partnership because I, I like to ha I actually like to help those businesses out. It's got to be a, a, a two way street. So yeah, no, definitely it needs to be a two way street. But um, no, we certainly enjoy your uh, you coming along to all the Valley Chamber of Commerce events. They're great events, yeah. and certainly met a lot of contacts there. Um, we went to a meet and mingle only last night, uh, winning uh, appliances. Winning appliances. <laughs> or was it winning? I, can't, I forget. But it's winning, winning, winning appliances. Um, one of the best ones for sure. Um, and you said that. Uh, what What are some of the things that you like about the Valley Chamber of Commerce? I really like the Valley Chamber of Commerce because it's everyone is really friendly, really open to talk to anybody. So if you walk in, you walk in, start go up to a group of people, uh, they will they will automatically start talking to you. You know, asking like, 
you know, um, you know, what's your background, like who you are. They they really want to know what you're about. And I think I think it's really a friendly at- atmosphere. To be honest, like everyone's there having a good time. Having some beers, having some good food, and I'm really enjoying everyone's company. So it's I, I'm I'm really uh, grateful to be a part of the Valley Chamber Conference. I love going every time. <laughs> so we certainly love having you there. Um, I think we'll probably wrap this podcast up now. That's uh, been from the Valley Podcast Business Business Life Professional Athlete Edition of the podcast uh, thank you very much Ben 10 and Win. Uh, we're going to have a great uh, weekend up here in Gladstone supporting a local MMA event Aftershock 30 uh, also Damien Brown will be here as well and uh, we look forward to seeing about 12 fights tomorrow night uh, we've probably uh, Ben and Damien will certainly be on the commentary team uh, and also uh, helping out uh, with the events along the way so it's been a fantastic uh, to do something I guess that uh, hasn't been done too many times podcast on a plane uh, but uh, our inspiration as you know so uh, thank you very much Ben for this it's been great and I can't wait to hear it back yeah thanks thanks for having me Tim and um, you know thanks for supporting me throughout this journey and um, it's been a, a pleasure and an honor to be able to be on your podcast Thank you very much. No worries. Thank you very much.